Craig Ellingson, the sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun. This is our Oilers podcast for uh, Friday, November 4th, 2016. With me today, our uh, journal sports columnist, Dan Barnes. And how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. And Jim Matheson, uh, our hockey writer. It's warmer here than just about anywhere in North America today, I would suggest. Who has a tea time? <laughs> well, not the Oilers. Mill Woods is not closed yet, I understand, is it? No, it's still open. Golden West still isn't around, though. They, that's a housing development. Well, it's just a pile of dirt right now, oh, actually. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay, good. We're uh, talking the day after the Oilers' 5-3 loss in New York to the Rangers, in which they had led the game three different times, but uh, blew it late. Uh, and now that we, there are some changes coming to the forward lines. The Tom McClellan is shuffling who's playing with who. And, uh, gentlemen, I'll let you start talking about what the Oilers need to do to, to change their offensive woes. They have five goals in their last three games, but uh, not everybody is is playing to the level they, they're expected to. The Vancouver Canucks would kill somebody for the, that many goals. But in this case, the Oilers, they need more from their best players, their best offensive players. Um, Jordan Everly hasn't scored in, well, forever. Milan Lucic, another guy who's struggling badly. Uh, according to our man on the job, Rob Tichkowski, and others, the Oilers have shuffled the lines and put Patrick Maroon with uh, Connor McDavid and Jordan Everly. They had some success last year, uh, Maroon and McDavid. They looked pretty good. Uh, he got displaced when Lucic arrived. Lucic hasn't done much for me uh, in the last half dozen games. He's He hasn't been a, a major physical force he certainly hasn't been an offensive force so if your first line is dragging you down that can't you know just you can't have that so the change it's it's worth trying something might as well be maroon because he's had some success there and then hopefully it filters down because there are players playing well offensive players playing well um like nugent hopkins has suddenly come alive which is a good sign for them because they need that kind of depth uh i would have taken jordan everly off that line uh, he hasn't scored a goal in six games. I had to take him off that line and put the Finnish rookie Pugliarvi there myself. I think Pugliarvi's been one of their three or four best forwards the last couple of games, and he's starting to look like the fourth player picked in the draft. And uh, I I guess that the easy thing to do is just take one guy off, off off a line and keep, you know, so they can interchange, you know, Maroon, who played well there last year and actually was promised that job with with McDavid if he came back in really good shape Todd McClellan said that at the end of this year if he end of the season if he you know spends a lot of time in the gym and comes back lean and hungry he'll have the job and that was before they signed Milan Lucic so Maroon is Maroon's played better certainly the last while than and Lucic has and I think this is going to be the this situation all year I, I don't necessarily think you can write it in stone that McDavid's going to play with the same people all the time. Um, you know, I, I. but he he needs more scoring out of a scorer. Maroon's not a scorer, and Lucic's not a scorer. Eberle's the scorer. Eberle, if anybody's, if if McDavid's not going to lead the team in goals, it's supposed to be Eberle. And he's got three goals, and they've played 11 games, and... Uh, I guess that adds up to around 30 in today's game. That's really good. But when you're playing with McDavid, you're going to get lots of chances. And, uh, you know, he's got to score more to be beneficial. 
The only one that comes to mind, the only scoring chance last night was a uh, backhand pass that Everly just couldn't quite get to for uh, a you know a, a tip. Um, he chipped one off the goalpost too. All oh, right, yeah, yeah absolutely. Forgot and, about but that. I, but I don't know if that one would have gone in anyway. Yeah. It was one of those ones the goalie's going down, and you know, and, and I got to chip it over him, and it hit the outside of the goalpost. So I don't know if it would have gone in anyway. But you're right. And then he was the one caught for goalie interference, which I thought was a little. I know, I know, it's goalie interference when McDavid scored the goal, but he was—he wasn't like he was—he was making himself as small as he could, so and shrinking in the crease to get out of the way. And you know, it's one of those ones. He never hit the goaltender, but they said he goalie couldn't get over to make the save, and the goalie wasn't going to make the save anyway because I think the puck went up into the middle of the net, sort of higher than that. So I don't know if the goalie would have made the save anyway. But they clearly have some offensive uh, things to figure out. But I think more troubling is the fact that they built that 7-2 and two record on the back of really good defensive play, and all of a sudden that's gone because they were a bit of a joke in their own end against the Rangers. They had all kinds of problems getting the puck out. They would give up possession a couple of times. That ended up in the back of their net, and it was just all the, the ease with which they were getting out of their own zone in those first nine games, it's just, it was gone, and... Uh, Larson and Clefbaum struggled quite a bit. Russell and Sekera struggled, although it was mostly Russell, I would say. Um, Benning had a few <laughs> tough moments, but the kids just, you know, that was his second NHL game. That's going to happen. Um, Maddie, you thought Nurse was their best defenseman. I'm not sure I agree, but um, that, I guess that pairing had maybe maybe the uh, the best showing in a limited showing. Nurse has been their best defenseman for about five games now, I think. Um, I think he's coming on too, so he need, he could maybe, I wouldn't be surprised if they move Nurse into the top four you know, if, if they keep struggling too and get him in more minutes. So And move Russell down. Move Russell into the third pairing. So um, Yeah, you're right. The goals, Toronto got two easy goals to beat the Oilers. Uh, Kadri and Ben Smith, they were both about five footers and the Oilers were caught fishing and didn't knock people down and last night the Rangers got a couple of goals too that were right around the crease so they have to certainly clean up that and that's been their Achilles for a long while teams thought they could beat the owners by pressuring them in their end and uh, the Rangers give the Rangers credit though they're good they're faster this year than they they were before uh, and they get on you pretty quickly so they're a good team right now and I it it's I guess it's feast or famine in Edmonton when they're losing all the time. The fans are all over the orders for for being a crappy team, but then when they lose to a good team, it's like. And you started the season well. They're saying, "What's what's going on here?" You know. Well, they lose a couple of games. So as long as it doesn't become a five-game losing streak, uh, they're still okay. But they've played well in Toronto and lost. They played well in Rangers and lost. They played pretty well against. Ottawa and lost. It wasn't like they're losing these games 4-1 or 5-1 like last year. So, um, how, do, how do you approach the weekend? You've got your best chance to win probably on Long Island. Now, they also want to get Gustafson a game in goal. Do you gamble with a guy who's got to be rusty? Um, do you gamble with him at your, you know, in Long Island with the best potential for a, 
a victory, or do you go right back to the starter again? Go right back to the starter again. You play Gustafson against his former Detroit Red Wing teammates in Detroit. That's what I do. But you know, coaches, this is the problem with coach when you only have a goalie that you you ride forever. When he's going good, you want to keep playing him. And when you're losing the games, you say, "Well, I can't put the backup in because that's that's guaranteed loss because he hasn't played." So then you keep get stuck with the goalie, and then eventually the goalie gets tired. So um, there's been enough time between games for Cam Talbot. I don't think he should be tired at all. And this is the first back-to-back the Oilers will have uh, in the season when they play the Islanders in Detroit. So the Oilers, the Islanders are not playing very well right now. But the Islanders kicked the snot out of the Oilers last year, uh, but eight one I think in in Long Island. So. Um, I'm sure that will will be resonate with the orders in the dressing room. Another thing that will not help the orders is the worst ice in the league in, in uh, Long Island, and the orders are a good skating team, so it'll be more grinding and dump it in and work along the boards because that's the worst ice in the league at Barclays. You know, and I've never I've been meaning to ask you guys about this, but this is completely off topic, but still related. Rogers Place ice compared to the Rexall ice. How is it? How is it? Well, I've heard, I, I've heard people complain about it, yeah. um, including Benoit Pouliot, who said it was making the puck bounce. Maybe that was um, a rather biased view. I don't know. I think what they're going to find is there's way more. I mean, they had lots of things in Rexall, but there's concerts all the time now at Rogers Place. So that the more things you have in the building, um, the ice might not be so good. Um, I, I, when it gets colder, the ice will be better. I mean, we live in Edmonton. When it's colder, the ice is probably better. It's not. It's not very cold right now, and the ice isn't very good. But I noticed uh, it was really bouncy against uh, in that two nothing loss to Ottawa. I thought it was jumping all over the place. The ice, though, it, the ice in the community rink is like glass. So, uh, but they're not having any concerts in the community rink. So, going back to the game tomorrow in Brooklyn. Um, like you said, they did lose badly last year. It was in February, I believe. But, of course, this is a different team. We haven't talked about Connor McDavid yet uh, in our today's podcast. How has he been playing these last in these three losses, uh, You know, including that he did get burned on the uh, overtime goal? I don't think he played great against Ottawa. I thought he played okay against Toronto. Under trying circumstances. Trying circumstances. I, I thought he was quite good last night, actually. The Rangers didn't put a checker on him like Toronto did with Kadri. Um, I suspect against the Islanders that Kesey Sikas, who's a fourth line center, but he might he's kind of a hard nosed center. They might use him against unless they go Tavares against him. Um, so he's gonna have to get used to it, you know, he's gonna have to get used to the the shadows all the time. And, you know, one guy banging him and hacking him and whacking him and and Connor might have to get a little dirty himself, a little greasy himself. Well, and at, at that point, if if he's under fire, if he's under pressure, his linemates really do have to pick up their game. They have to be there to support the kid. And Lucic and Everly were not getting it done. They have to uh, take more of the load. Uh, you know, it's it's fine for Lucic to come in after after uh, McDavid's been shoved into the end boards by Kadri or, or something like that, but they just have to step their games up more than you know, putting on the show of, of support. They actually have to be there for him. 
and they have to make some more plays than they're making because they aren't finishing and they aren't creating. So that that has to change. Uh, I think, along with Dan, I think their bigger problem is behind their own blue line. I think, again, Talbot's lost three games in a row where he's played well, but they're ma- making mistakes, and the goalie is not can't make the save, so it's not his fault. Um, then the goals are too easy to score, and that was a problem last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. They don't have to work too hard to score five-foot goals. And that's what's happened in the last several games. They've got to clear more people out in front of the net and uh, be more careful getting the puck out. Is it a matter of changing up the, up the pairings back there too then or calling somebody up? Uh, I don't think they'll call anybody up. I think Greibel will probably play in Long Island instead of Benning. Bigger body. Bigger body. Um, you know, he seems wedded to Clefbaum and Larson as his, his pair. I, I, It's funny. Larson is a get the puck on, on my stick and it, it'll be there about half a second and it'll be moved to somebody else. Clefbaum likes to carry the puck. He's not such a good passer out of his end. He's a carrier. Um, and with the mistakes they're making, the five-foot pass... And then another five-foot pass sometimes works better than trying to carry it out. And the teams that play well, like when the L.A. Kings are winning the Stanley Cups, they never make those diagonal five-foot passes until the cows come home, and then they're out of their zone. So a little more careful defensively. If Jordan Everly continues to be a streaky player, his long-term outlook with the Oilers, I mean... It's pretty clear that Pliarvi is the successor to being on the first line. What is Jordan Everly's future if he continues to be hot and cold? It's long term for the Oilers. He's got a six million dollar contract. There's not a lot of teams going to pick up a six million dollar player. I think the very fact that he's still here and and wasn't the trade bait for uh, a first pairing defenseman that you know that says what other teams think about him because I'm sure the Oilers' first choice was not trading Taylor Hall that had they been able to move Jordan Eberle, they probably would have. So does he still have a long-term future here? I think he has a a, a future here. I think, you know, I... Ryan Rashog said this morning when I heard him talk, he said it might be an idea to put Eberle on a line with two grinders who play along the boards and stuff. And and because the game... Get him a little more involved there. Put him, you know, with a Lucic, with a, a dry sidle or whatever. Guys who are along the boards a lot, and then see if that changes things. I, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, we're kind of criticizing him. He's an NHL player. I don't think he's, you know, he's certainly an NHL player. He gets his fifty to sixty points every year, so he's an NHL player. But he can't be a streaky player. He can't be a streaky player playing with the best almost the best player in the league. You've got to be consistent. And you're playing with Connor McDavid. You know, you shouldn't go more than two games without a point. Not go six games without a goal when you're playing with one of the five or six best players in the National Hockey League. And he has to start scoring goals. And that's what, that's his bread and butter. That's what he's, he's good at. And he has to score. Well, and it's a guy who's worked on his shot over the, uh, right? He was preparing to play a full year with McDavid. So he worked on his shot over the summer. And he still hasn't put himself in the right spot to get that shot away. Or when he's there, he still takes too long to unload it. He's got to be a guy who gets rid of it faster. 
you know that's that's the the beauty of a McDavid pass gets you to a point where you're just ahead of the defenseman or the goalie and you have to take advantage of it you can't slow the play down because that kid plays at a a really high pace and the the broadcast team was talking about it last night you don't have to keep up with McDavid you have to arrive on time and it was a it was a really interesting point I thought because you know in a in a straight ahead race Eberle can't stay with McDavid there's very few players in the league who can but if you are smart about it and you know where you're supposed to be and you're ready to fire the puck when you get there it's going to turn out okay and, and Pugliarvi, I think he's got a couple of great shots last night. One terrific shot from the high slot that, that Lundqvist made a really good save on. He looks like the kind of player that if you give him, you know, half a second and, you know, he matures into where he's confident with his shot, um, he's going to score goals. And I think you're right. He's going to be the first-line right wing eventually. But for now... There's still that black hole between Eberle and a rookie who's played nine NHL games and Cassian, who's, who has played quite well for the most part, and Pitlick. But neither, one, neither Cassian or Pitlick are offensive-minded, per se. And then is a rookie, and then Eberle's kind of, you know, he's getting the, the first-line duty because he's a veteran, and there's no other veteran right winger who can say that Todd McClellan can move up there and say okay we're going to switch the right winger to you know move back and play with with Nugent Hopkins or something like that and actually I thought that might happen because Nugent Hopkins has played with Everly too so I thought that might might be a possibility or um, maybe give Nugent Hopkins some more offensive minded uh, forwards or wingers to play with I might like to see Pitlick with Dreisaitl, though. You know, Pitlick, to me, he's he is... I think he's more than a fourth-line player. Now, maybe not this year, because he's got good wheels. I think his hands are okay. He certainly has a shot, right? He's beat goalies from long range with his shot. So, I, you know, who knows down the road, but I think that's a kid with a little bit more upside than, than a fourth-line player. Well, if, like I said... The fans are all up in arms with a team that's uh, seven three and one. I mean, last year they'd have been three seven and one. Oh yeah. So it's the expectation level when you start well is that you should beat good teams too. And I'm a little tired at some of the fans saying, "Oh, they got gravy points early, and now they're playing good teams and they're losing to them." They beat St. Louis and they beat Washington in that stretch too. And Everybody plays the teams that aren't very good over 82 games. So it's, you either play them in the first month, you play them in the second month, or whatever. So you still have to play them. And in the past, the Oilers would have lost to those teams. They'd have split with Calgary. You know, they wouldn't have beat them. Uh, they'd have, you know, lost to the Canucks. I mean, you know, so I, they're doing what they got to do. They got to be. They're beating the teams they should beat or who are on par with them. And when they play a really good team like the New York Rangers. Um, they match them in, in their building. I mean, what, the game wasn't in Edmonton. The game was in New York, and New York just dusted the St. Louis Blues 5 nothing the game before. So, I think, you know, cut the orders a little bit of slack. The Rangers have been playing very, very well right in the last three weeks. Well, and if the, the Oilers come back from this road trip with a 2-2-1 and one record, and it's not impossible, they certainly have to beat the Islanders. They have to beat Detroit because the chances of getting a win out of Pittsburgh are pretty slim. So if they do that and they come back... You know, still five games above 500, 
that deep into the season after a major five-game road trip into some tough barns, they're probably in pretty good shape. You know, and it's they certainly are a better team when they're playing the kind of hockey we saw early. They're a better team than they've been in the last they're, 10 years. They're way more competitive. Oh, yeah. They're, going into the game, you, you know, you, whatever team they're playing against, you know, the owners could still win this. They're playing good. So many times the last half dozen years, you'd be playing a team, you say, now oh, they'll stick with them for a period, but then the other team's just better. And now when the owners are playing, they're competitive. So Well, and every time the Rangers tied it up, right, the owners would go ahead. And in years past, the Rangers would have tied it up and gone ahead and gone ahead and, and stretched that lead, and it wouldn't have been close. So, yeah, it's a, we're, we're dealing with a different entity for sure. And there's no nothing to say that that the Rangers scored in the last two minutes. So there's nothing to say if there had been ten minutes to go in the game, the Orders might not might have got another goal to tie it themselves. So, you know, and five three sounds like they got beat by two. They really got beat by one. It was a four three game, and the guy banked one from 120 feet away. So empty net or so it was it was really a four three game, not a five three game. So, you know, it's. It is what it is. It uh, use that stupid cliche. You know, they're playing well enough to win, but they have to clean up the mistakes because the other team's scoring too many easy goals. When the owners have to work a little harder for theirs. All right, we'll leave it at that for today. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you.